Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zaki. And this is Steve Zaki. Welcome to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda. Make sure to check out the latest at davidhobbs.com for latest in new and certified used Hondas. And uh, regarding... Great Lakes Dragway. Make sure to check out uh, their schedule, their Facebook uh, page, also their Twitter account uh, regarding uh, you know the rain. We've had a little bit of rain, but I think they should be okay this weekend because uh, this weekend, of course, it's the uh, the real Street Milwaukee Takeover Halloween Bash 2020 at Great Lakes Dragway. Make sure you check out GreatLakesDragway.com or, like I said, their social media for all the latest updates at Great Lakes Dragway. Sounds like a lot of fun, a lot of street racing, but safely. On a controlled environment at Great Lakes Dragway. Also joining us, of course, on the Great Midwest Bank hotline from his palatial garage. It is the Polish pipe on Jeff Orlowski. How are we doing, sir? Oh, living the dream, Steve. A little cold today, but uh, what can you do to the season? I it guess. is, isn't it? It is a little, a, a little chilly. I think uh, fall has finally settled, settled in the Wisconsin and. Uh, yeah, it was in 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 edit in edit. I can never say that word. Inevitable, but yeah, there you it's, go. Uh, yeah, it's it's brutal. It's a kick in the teeth, but uh, I guess we got to get used to it because uh, we got <laughs> it ain't changing for six more months. Well, sp- speaking of kicking the kicking the teeth, uh, Charlotte certainly was a kick in the teeth, and actually, twenty twenty has been a kick in the teeth for Kyle Busch, the defending Cup champion, hasn't it? He gone. Yeah, it sure was. And, uh, you know, you want to talk, it was, this is tied for the earliest that a defending NASCAR cup champion has been eliminated from the playoffs the following season. And, uh, you know, yes, Kyle struggled. He didn't seem to sit there and, um, adjust too well with the no practice, no qualifying, like obviously Harvick and Hamlin did. But, you know, there were a lot of races where he had a, a car that could win, and uh, he just couldn't get it done. 
And, you know, now he's on the outside looking in. I can't say that I'm not happy about it. Uh, I am. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a tough season for uh, for good old Kyle. Yeah, it, it has been. And, you know, I mean, he can he'll, he'll move on. I mean, is anybody feeling sorry for him? I don't think so. I mean, he won the championship last year. It, it's it's everybody has a crappy year, and this is his, this is Kyle Kyle Busch's uh, turn. I mean, case in point, I mentioned this. I think I mentioned this last week or the week prior. You know, in 1992, Dale Earnhardt Sr. finished uh, 12th in the point standings, and then rattled off uh, two more uh, Cup championships after that. So, I mean, you know, that Eastwood Eastwood a good team. I, I'm sure you know. When he's uh, sipping his cognac or whatever he's drinking in his, uh, speaking of palatial palaces, I'm sure he's living in one with his lovely wife. Uh, you know, it, it's I'm sure he's 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 he's, a, he's in a fine spot. So yeah, uh, let, let's see the last of Kyle Busch. No, no. Let's go talk about the Roval at Charlotte and. Uh, I I think I, I just want to say uh, I think we'll talk. Well, let's wait. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the Xfinity series in a moment here, but let's talk about the Cup series, of course. And and uh, Ty Dillon winning the first stage, uh, and he had the competition caution. He he was one of the first to jump onto the slick tires, uh, made a gamble and it paid off for him. Easily uh, mowing through the field uh, on the slick tires and uh, not spinning out, so he he won stage one, and then uh, and then when everybody else was starting to go to the to the to the slicks, William Byron uh, went to the front. Uh, then it was like Ryan Blaney, and uh, you know, the, I guess both. I guess you, you can both say well, William Byron and, and Ryan Blaney. Has looked so good, both of them, at times during the year. But Jeff, uh, they certainly have not. I, I, I don't think they're they, they've been satisfied with uh, what's happened to them in 2020, are they? No, they've had uh, cars a lot better than their finishes on most weeks. And um, you know, Ryan Blaney, a lot of those, uh, so, you know, some were self self caused accidents that uh, that were his fault, and and some he got caught up in other people's mess. But, uh, but, yeah, both those guys, overall, they cannot be happy with the season that they had. They both had opportunities to, uh, to move up and, and get great finishes. And, and for one reason or another, they just didn't get it done. You know, they kind of got bit by the Kyle Busch disease this year where, you know, if, uh, if it wasn't for bad luck, they'd have no luck at all. And, um, you know, Ryan Blaney, he just looked straight dominant for a while at the Roval, and then, of course, you know, obviously uh, the the guy that everybody everybody thought was going to win ended up winning in Chase Elliott. Right, right. And then, uh, of course, after that we had uh, – I guess this is kind of typical of, of Kyle Busch's uh, season. You know, he, he, he had, a, I think it was a flat, flat left front tire and was able to limp it back to the pits – and and was able to finish the race, and I, I think there's a part of, in Kyle Busch that kind of wishes that thing would have blown out, and he would have went into the tire barrier, and he would have been just able to walk away from that car. Don't you think? <laughs> but typical 2020, you know, he has to endure and run to the rest of the race, even though he did show some speed later in the race and had a chance for a victory, but it was a long shot, and I think most observers. 
you know, if we're thinking, now nah, this ain't going to work, and it didn't work, did it? No, it didn't, but he did have a chance at the end, and, you know, the only chance he had to win was to stay out on old tires while everybody ducked down pit lane and got brand new rubber, and, you know, pretty much we all knew it wasn't going to work out, but uh, you know that he was praying for a lightning storm to pop up or any reason, sure. you know, a, a tornado in turn four to sit there and, uh, and, and get that race called. But, uh, you know, I, I give uh, Adam Gustafson a lot of credit. You know, at least he took a shot. He knew that if he went down pit road and got fresh rubber that he would have been so far back he had no shot to win. So I give him credit. It was a Hail Mary, and it failed miserably, but at least he took the chance. Yeah, and then uh, Denny Hamlin goes for a spin coming out of the, the last chicane there before the front straightaway. And then kind of typical for him. I mean, I mean, you know, he, he's got to win in the playoffs. A lot of people say he's snake bit in the playoffs. And we're, we're kind of getting mixed signals from Denny Hamlin, aren't we? I mean, there's times where he looks really good. And then there's other times where you look like last Sunday. You're thinking, oh, boy, here he goes. He spins in the playoffs. You know, so it'll be it'll be really interesting to see if, uh, yeah, as we get closer to the end, if Denny Hamlin uh, has a pucker factor, which a lot of people say. You know, he, he seems to get as as we get closer to the playoffs because there's been a couple times where, you know, he, whether it's him or the crew, just simply have kind of, you know, I don't want to say given away a championship, but they, they have not delivered championship results, have they? No, they, uh, they tend to throw up on their shoes more times than not, and it usually comes at the worst time in the playoffs for them. And, uh, you know, I was listening to a lot of, uh, you know, NASCAR talk and stuff like that this week. And a lot of the stuff that people are talking about is the struggles that Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin had in the last round. And I'm shaking my head struggles, you know, Hamlin won Talladega, you know? So, um, it's hard to say that, that he struggled when he got a win, but, uh, you know, the, I think the competition this year with the top eight guys that are left is going to be some of the closest that we've seen since NASCAR instated these playoffs. If you look at the average finishes on the three tracks in this round, every single driver has um, in the, the, either the previous race this year uh, they have good finishes at the track, and, or their average finishing position at the track is phenomenal. So not a whole lot separates these guys. Interesting. Well, uh, continuing on with what happened at, at the Roval at Charlotte, uh, Ryan Blaney went ahead and won stage two. And, and then uh, your buddy, Austin Dillon, had, a, had an incident spun uh, kind of spectacularly uh, on the front straightaway. And then there's after the caution flag, uh, probably the most, uh, head scratching incident of the day was the crash and the restart in which, uh, let's face it, Bubba, uh, Bubba basically just kind of drop kicked, uh, the 47 car going into the first corner. He's making a bonsai, bonsai move and the 43 car, yeah, it, you know, it, it Let's face it; it was kind of a uh, uh, Xbox uh, or iRacing movie. I don't even think iRacing would allow that. <laughs> they would police that, but that wasn't the, that was that wasn't the most smartest move, was it? 
No, it was it was absolutely stupid, and he looked foolish for doing it. Um, you know, but uh, Bubba Wallace wasn't the only one that looked foolish out there. Is there anything that Ryan Newman didn't run into? Yes. Uh, is there anything that Matt Kenseth didn't run into? You know, both those guys, uh, you, you just thought of the line from Days of Thunder, like go out there and hit the pace car. You hit everything else on the damn track. Right. And, uh, you know, so Bubba Wallace definitely looked foolish with making that move, but he wasn't the only one that looked foolish uh, last week at the Roval. Yeah, and then uh, a little bit and then shortly after that, Ryan Blaney is in the lead, goes wide in that interior part of the track, and it just basically hit the biggest, made one of the biggest, uh, uh, I don't know what, what you'd even call it, uh, puddles or whatever, just spread water everywhere. And then uh, coming back onto the track, almost gets T-boned by uh, the aforementioned Matt Kenseth in the 42 car who had to take evasive action. And that, that, you know, we were talking about it just shortly before. That kind of sums up how Ryan Blaney's year has gone. And, and you, you wonder if, uh, I'm sure his father has spoken to him too, but, I mean, it just seems like, like he's at this point, and I understand why he's pressing. And we, we've seen this with other drivers. We've seen this in other sports. You know, and it, it, it's always easier to slow down a driver than speed one up. But in this case, it just seems like Ryan Blaney at this point is just, just pushing it too hard, isn't he? Yeah, he, he looks lost. And uh, it doesn't look like he's got a firm grasp of uh, the situation. You know, when you're late in a race and you have to, and, and you're out front, especially at a road course, the only thing that you should be sitting there and telling yourself is hit your marks and make sure that you don't have happen what he had happen. And, you know, he threw up all over his shoes. You can call it nerves. You can call it pushing too hard. You can call it whatever the hell you want. But he failed in the biggest moment of that race and cost himself, you know, what might have been a win. And so, you know, it's kind of the same old story with Ryan Blaney. The kid's got a lot of talent. He runs for a good team. But he uh, consistently comes up shorter than you think he's going to finish. So then Alex Bowman is in the lead, uh, taking, uh, you know, and then uh, Chase Elliott, who's been kind of laying in the weeds all race, takes the lead from a Bowman in that Valvoline car, which, you know, it's, it's not a throwback race, but that's a throwback. Uh, it just so happened they had a throwback. And I, I just think that's one of the bets. It's, that's a classic paint scheme, Jeff. That Valvoline car looks so good. And that and that and that '88 car, and I I just love it. I mean, obviously we're you know the days of uh, having a having a, a sponsor for the whole year are gone, but I mean the more races that '88 cars has those Valvoline colors like that, I think it, it is is the better, isn't it? No, I agree. That car looks fantastic, and you know you just think back to the glory days and all the phenomenal drivers that uh, that drove that paint scheme and. Uh, you know, it was definitely good to see that out on the track. That's for sure. Yeah, you know, and and I'm I'm harkening back to the old Raymock days with uh, Neil Bonnet and Morgan Shepard, and when they were racing those Pontiac and those Pontiac Grand Prix and two plus two twos, and then uh, Roush got the sponsorship, and yet it's uh, Mark Martin drove it. This is the six car, which I like the paint scheme. I just never liked that font, that number six font with the weird kind of you know with the long arm on the top of the uh six like that i just i just never liked that font the 88 looks good though that font on there and it kind of 
it's a, it, it's a good classic look. But, uh, yeah, Chase Elliott goes to lead. And, uh, and then some more pit stops. And we, we mentioned about how Kyle Busch got himself to the front. Eric Jones, who's racing for a ride at this point, pretty easily, wasn't it, uh, was able to take the lead from uh, Kyle Busch. Uh, but after that, it was uh, it was the Chase Elliott show. Chase Elliott once again, he was my pick. I, I was it, it was a chalk pick from last week, but I mean it's it just he he's got to figure it out on the road courses. Not only him being the, the talented driver, but Hendrick and everything, uh, they've really taken control of the road courses, and uh, it's his ninth win, uh, his fourth straight road course. He's won forty percent other road course races in NASCAR he's been on. And and that it's very, very impressive, uh, Jeff. Is it can anybody stop Chase Elliott on the road courses at this point? It doesn't seem like it. And, you know, like you said, forty percent of the road courses he's entered, he's won at, including the last four in a row. So when the new schedule dropped for next year, you know that there was not one person happier uh, in the whole garage area yeah. than Chase Elliott, and because of that, Rick Hendrick. So, it uh, you know it's all it's shaping up for uh, for a very nice uh, 2021 for uh, Chase Elliott. Yeah, we'll be and we'll be talking about the NASCAR silly season in the second half of the of the hour here with uh, Dennis Michelson coming up from D Mike Media uh, in just a moment. But getting back to uh, the Cup Series here. So after after the Roval, you got uh, you know Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott, and uh, Kurt Busch with one win, and then we have Harvick. Surprisingly, a couple races he hasn't won. Martin Truex Jr., Joey Logano, uh, just can't get rid of that guy. <laughs> and then we have uh, Brad Keselowski, Alex Bowman, uh, and then uh, those eliminated were uh, Jeff's favorite, uh, Austin Dillon, Clint Boyer. Uh, Kyle Busch and Eric Amarola, and getting back to uh, uh, Clint Boyer, yeah, it was uh, he got in that that crash with Bubba Wallace and and in the 47 car, uh, he, he he hit the car in front of him. I forget which one it was that knocked up the power steering, and uh, Clint had a pretty funny uh, uh, <laughs> pretty funny tweet after the race because he was beat. Uh, these cars aren't designed to run with power steering. Back in the day. Cars didn't have power steering, and when they had power steering, it, it, it's a different steering system, bracket and pinion system, than they had 20 years ago when you might say, oh, I remember a race where Dale Earnhardt raced, and, and he wasn't beat. It's a different system. It's a lot harder to drive. Uh, so Clint Boyer tweeted out, I'm good. Uh, I was definitely out of gas. Another couple, three laps, and I'd been on the ground after the race, crappy flopping. <laughs> Self-inflicted. I shouldn't have knocked out the power. St- I should not have knocked the power steering out. So that from Clint Boyer. Of course, we'll have some more news on Clint Boyer talking of this uh, and more uh, uh, talking about him coming up in the, with Dennis Michelson. So you got... Four straight wins, uh, Jeff, with uh, Chase Elliott. And he's going after Jeff Gordon, who won uh, six straight wins on the road courses from Watkins Glen 1997 to Sonoma 2000. And that's really when Jeff Gordon was really hitting his stride uh, and was pretty much at the pinnacle of his career. Hendrick, too, at the, you know, for, that, for that matter. Um, and can Chase Elliott... Is he? Can he get himself in a position not only to win the championship, but kind of put himself in that upper crust? I mean, right now, you know, it's been a Denny, 
It's been the, the Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick show this year, but can can Chase Elliott's been almost there? Can he get him? Can he push into and make it a, a trio? I don't think so, and part of it is just because Hendrick's been so hit or miss this year. They've had really good speed the last six month or six weeks or so, but uh, you know before that it was just Chase Elliott and then you know kind of a, a bunch of nobodies. And it just, I don't think that they can put it together. Uh, you know, do I think that, that Chase is going to end up matching Jeff Gordon six in a row on a road course? I'd say no to that, too. I just think that one of the Penske cars is going to get in, whether that's Logano or whether that's Keselowski. Um, and I just don't see Chase as, as the fourth guy along with Harvick and Hamlin getting into the going to Phoenix with the shot at the title. Yeah, looking at the, the final eight, uh, we'll take a break here in just a moment talking with Jeff Orlowski, uh and Steve Zaki here talking some uh, NASCAR Cup racing on the final inspection show. You know, looking just from a team point of view, you got – you got two from Joe Gibbs with Denny Hamlin and Martin Truex Jr. Uh, and then you got Chase Elliott as the Hendrick, Hendrick, him and Bowman. So two, two for Hendrick, which is pretty good. Uh, Kurt Busch, I mean, you got to give him credit. Chip Ganassi, nobody was going to pick Chip Ganassi in this round. I think uh, if anybody had a pull, that threw everybody's off. Uh, and then uh, Penske just you know quietly putting in two. In that in that final eight with Joey Logano and uh, and Brad Keselowski, who uh, be interesting to see if they can make any noise. Uh, you know, Brad Keselowski every year. I, I think I mentioned this earlier in the summer when he won a race, and it was like, yeah, he's won like three races a year. You know, is it five out of the last six years or something? And it just seems like every 10, 12 races, hey, Brad Keselowski's in in. Uh, you know, in victory lane, unfortunately, the last couple of years, he has not been able to put it all together to get a championship going. But it'll be interesting to see what, uh, you know, te- you know what, what these teams can do, you know, having, you know, having a pair of cars in 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 the uh, the chase for the playoffs here, the playoffs, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, and then with Harvick, he's the only one. You know, so out of the Stuart, you know, Stuart Haas racing. So, and he, he's definitely been the favorite. So, it'll be interesting to see. Are they, are they going to be able to, like, the, the team up uh, against Harvick? Is is Hamlin and uh, uh, Truex Jr. able to do that? Because Truex has been very good. Truex is, a, if, if there's anybody that can be a dark horse that kind of sneak in, Jeff, I think it could be Martin Truex Jr. Yeah, and I was thinking the same thing until I looked at his yearly numbers, and they're very unimpressive. Uh, both laps led, uh, laps run in the top five, stuff like that. You, you start looking at those numbers, and uh, it's, it, it doesn't bode really well for Martin. Now, granted, the three racetracks in this round uh, between Kansas and Texas yep. and Martinsville – are very good tracks for Martin Truex. So I can definitely see him winning at least one of the three races. I wouldn't be surprised if he won two out of the three mm-hmm. and moving into the final four. So, you know, I, while I don't think that he's got the strongest car or this team has performed the best uh, throughout the season, I definitely think he's got a shot to uh, to get to Phoenix when, 
and you know possibly raise the raise the trophy. Yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see what happens. We'll we'll talk more NASCAR coming up after this. We're gonna take a quick break, and we'll I want I want to touch base on the Xfinity series. Uh, last week, they raced in the rain at the Rovo, and then of course at the top or the bottom of the hour, I should say, Dennis Michelson from D Mike Media talk more NASCAR coming up on the final inspection show. Brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, and David Hobbs Honda. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Steve Zotke along with the Polish Pipe Bomb, Jeff Orlowski. And Jeff, uh, wanted to touch base on last Saturday's uh, the Charlotte Roval, the Xfinity race, which uh, was run in the rain. And to be honest, you know, we had some trepidations about them running that and how, how good of a show it was going to be. But... I, you know, I got to give credit, you know, we're, we, you know, we, we definitely, uh, don't, don't like to filter on this show regarding criticism of, of people in race or, you know, organizations in racing. And we, we, we've been critical of NASCAR when they've might've taken a misstep, but I'll tell you what, I, and I got to give credit to the drivers too. Uh, that, that was a pretty decent show considering the circumstances. I thought the drivers, especially in those first, uh, five to 10 laps, had a lot of control, and, you know, considering, you know, the environment that these guys are put in with no practice and that, you know, throwing these guys out there in the rain, they, they, they put on a pretty good show. And uh, it wasn't just a parade of, uh, you know, yellow flags, red flags and cars. I mean, there were incidents which which are to be expected. But I thought overall it was it was a pretty good show, wasn't it, on Saturday night? Yeah, it was a good show and uh, it was better than I expected when they were talking about, you know, the rain tires and being able to run in the rain, I, you know, we were told all week that it wouldn't be a driving rain or anything like that. It would just be if the track was wet, they can still run. Or if it's, you know, slightly raining. But, man, that rain was coming down. And I give uh, I give a lot. You know, obviously the, the mainstays in, in the Xfinity Series did a great job but so did the back markers and the the people with very little experience and crappy equipment and all that for them not to completely turn it into an embarrassment and a demolition derby is uh it was very impressive i thought yeah it really was and aj almendinger who's of course has an experience of racing in the rain with all the different uh types of racing he's been involved with over the years and uh, he went on to win the race. And Noah Gregson finishing second. Uh, the eight car with Daniel Hemrick uh, finishing third. And, you know, I, I guess I never noticed this before, but they mentioned it during the race. that He's never won any type of NASCAR race. I just figured somewhere along the line, he may have won a truck race or Xfinity race. You know, I know he didn't win a cup race last year when he ran the cup series for, uh, for the full season, but... I was really surprised by that, Jeff. Yeah, you would think, you know, you, you, we've heard Hemrick in, uh, in in the series for many, many years. And, you know, he, he got a shot up in Cup and all that kind of stuff. And usually you need to win at the lower series before you're shoved into a Cup car. But I guess not when your last name is Daniel Hemrick. 
or I guess that's his first and last name. You know what I mean. Right. And then, uh, of course, they're also doing the playoffs in the Xfinity Series, and those uh, that advanced uh, were uh, Chase Briscoe, Austin Sindrick, uh, Justin Allgaier, Noah Gregson, uh, Justin Haley, Brandon Jones, uh, Ross Chastain, and Ryan Sieg. So uh, it'll be interesting to see as that series continues on. They're running, of course, tonight in Kansas. And uh, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're talking to Dennis Michelson from D Mike Media, talk about Kansas. We're talking about silly season and uh, a few other things uh, regarding the world of NASCAR. Coming up next on the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Make sure to check them out. A lot of activities going on this weekend at Great Lakes Dragway, including their street machine or street racing special. Of course, not racing on the streets but in a controlled environment at Great Lakes Dragway and our friends at David Hobbs Honda. Make sure you check out davidhobbs.com for all the latest and new and certified used Hondas at davidhobbs.com. We'll be back after this. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Hey, welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway and DavidOffice.com. And joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline from DMAC Media, it is Dennis Michelson. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, Mr. Zaki. How are you guys doing today? Uh, fantastic. Enjoying the six months of cloudiness that has descended on the upper Midwest. So, yeah, life is good. Yeah, welcome uh, to the La Nina weather pattern it's uh, more of the same until about oh june the 5th oh boy thank you so yeah, much thanks for, that. for making me depressed dennis <laughs> <laughs> i do my best i do my best guys uh let's see we need to work in a sponsorship to go down south for six months right hello Ooh, i like that idea <laughs> Yeah, we so, uh, something out with, with Homestead, Miami, or something, so we can spend uh, <laughs> spend a month on South Beach. That sounds like the way very tempting. I like the way you're thinking. Uh, Dennis, I, b- before we went to break, I was talking about the Xfinity Series on Saturday at Charlotte and the Roval in the rain. And uh, were were you as impressed as we, with Jeff and I, were with just how they handled themselves? It's weird. It seems like it seems like they ro- they drove that road course in the rain with more control than they would if it would have been uh, dried, doesn't it? It was a weird race. Um, I'm not so sure that they handled it any better um, than they would have in the dry, but I think we were expecting even worse out of them. So anything we saw, you know, if they can actually even stay on the track through a turn, I think that was uh, – exceeding expectations of what we expected in the rain. But here's the thing is we found out this weekend that, you know, if we're going to race in the weepers on a track, why not just uh, go ahead and add sprinklers to every road course that we can <laughs> manually set off just to add some extra excitement to the race. I think, I think we might have something here and I, I think we might be able to use it for the, for the uh, flatter uh, tracks as well. Like just, Sprinkler system, add excitement. They're just running on ice. 
you know, and uh, the guys have a, have a choice whether they want to use the chain tires or the slicks and just have them run on ice and uh, and let's see what the hell happens. Maybe get a Jello Gelatin sponsorship and, and just spray the track down with Jello. I mean, there's there's all kinds of ways to uh, to add artificially enhance. I mean, we've we've gone ahead and we've determined that we're going to do a roval, so we're and we're going to do dirt on a on a paved track. So we're open to any gimmick at this point. You know, short of uh, figure eight trailer racing at Rockford Speedway, I think they're open to just about anything. Yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, Bernie Ecclestone. Uh, offered up the same thing, I think, about five, ten years ago, uh, when he wasn't happy with what was happening on, the, uh, you know, with the track action. He says, "I'm gonna wet all the, I'm gonna wet all the tracks uh, before the race." So, you know, it's not the first time that's been offered up. Well, it's just crazy because after the uh, the show on Saturday and Sunday last week at the Roval, and granted, the Cup guys didn't have to race through you know, a tenth of the weather that uh, the Xfinity Series did last Saturday. People were talking about, oh, well, we should bring rain tires to uh, Daytona and Talladega, and we should be able to run uh, the regular Char- uh, Charlotte Oval in the rain. You know, that now you're getting to, to just crazy talk. Yeah, I, it, you cannot run a banked track in the rain it would be the biggest disaster but you know when it comes to this rubble i was okay with everything that happened over the weekend except they've got to fix turn one uh, or they've got to figure out a way to slow these guys down uh going into that turn on restarts because that turn is not fit for nascar racing and that's the reason why a couple of guys who were having good days ended up uh, not advancing in the playoffs. And I just, I don't know, to me, that just seems a little tacky. That's when you have a a corner that is so nasty and so treacherous that it gets a sponsorship by by Tums. I'm sorry. That doesn't belong in, in the NASCAR playoffs. If you're going to have a playoffs as, they would say if it's going to be the playoffs we can't have that sort of a turn in the playoffs we're talking playoffs yeah i agree i think that uh, if nascar wanted to have a road course in the playoffs have an actual road course not this you know half uh half made up kind of gimmick thing in the roval and get an actual Amen. road course Amen. Well, which one would you have? Other than the uh, obvious, Road America. Well, well they're not America running Road, road America. You know, they're not going to run Road America in October. Uh, so, you know, the weather's so hit or miss up uh, up here then. You know, uh, schedule Sonoma or schedule, you know, yeah, Road Atlanta or someplace like that. But uh, or there's... Or go to courses they can run. Go to Coda then. Go to Coda in October. That's beautiful weather down and down there. This you know in Austin that time of the year. That's a better idea than than doing the Roval in the playoffs with so much on the line. Well, I I don't think that the Roval shows off. You know, with the playoffs, you're supposed to sit there and showcase the best of the best and the best of your sport. 
and I don't think that um, having the Roval in the playoffs showcases the best of NASCAR. Well, and the ratings showed that, too. The ratings were, were not the best for that race, either. Well, you know, ratings are down for everybody. Dennis, um, well, and just touching base on Road Atlanta, uh, the Road Atlanta is, I don't want to say, I don't want to say it's a dangerous track, but let me put it this way. If, if some of these drivers made some of the moves they made on other tracks at a, at a, a, a track like Road Atlanta that has a lot of very fast corners, deceivingly fast corners, and not really the runoff area, uh, it, it could be they could have some ugly accidents there. So if they do race it, yeah, if, yeah. if those cars race at Road uh, Road Atlanta, they they definitely have to emphasize running with respect and not running like an idiot on that track because you could you you could hurt a guy there at Road Atlanta and there's been drivers have been hurt in other series at that track. So uh, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Uh, the yeah. big news, of course, is uh, according to Sports Business Journal, suspended driver Kyle Larson has finally applied for reinstatement to NASCAR while the sanctioning body uh, did not confirm it. The request it is expected to be approved in the coming weeks. So, Dennis, is he going to the 88 car? Yes, there's no doubt. He's a Chevy guy. He's always been a Chevy guy. He's going to stay a Chevy guy. As much as we would all love to see this whole big thing of of uh, of him taking over the 14 car and following the footsteps of, you know, the great legends that have driven that number, like A.J. Foyt, Tony Stewart, Clint Boyer. Uh, we would <laughs> love to see uh, that happen. It's not going to happen. Hendrick Motorsports is the team that has the clout to get him reinstated by just snapping their fingers, and they will get it done. I think it might be a little harder <laughs> for uh, Tony Stewart and, and Haas to, to get that done. Um, but uh, he's definitely, definitely going to Hendrick. Um, I've heard rumors that they want to disconnect or discontinue the 88 and mm-hmm. go back to a five. You know, that's a possibility. I don't know. But whatever it is, he's going to be driving for Mr. Hendrick. Mr. H is going to be his new boss. And how about that team? Him teamed up with Chase Elliott. That's a, a little legendary driver, young skill over there uh, with Mr. H. It makes yeah. a very formidable team. I would like to see him in the 57 myself uh, because that five car just over the years has not had the best success. And I never liked that, especially if they use that old font. I never liked that. I guess the best way to call it is a chubby font, I guess. Uh, so I would like to see 57 myself, but we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I've heard that rumor, too, about the number. Um, and also in silly season, it looks like uh, Eric Jones' uh, career is going to die in the 43, it appears. Now, the question I had, and I, I mentioned when I talked to Jeff uh, earlier, uh, could, could we see that team switching over to Toyota and what kind of effect does that have on the old, uh, let's call them basically racist drivers, that racist fans, I should say, that don't want to see the the you know the king running a Toyota in NASCAR? Yeah, I don't think uh, there'd be any big 
big uh, deal to that. And really, the king is not in control of his own team anyway. This is true. He, he's got his name. He's got his name on the team, but that's all you know. The taxi cab dude out of New York City that's running that team. So it's going to be whatever he decides is the best deal for him. And if he can get a good satellite team deal uh, going in Toyota, you know, in Toyota equipment, you know, he'll he'll step it up. The interesting thing is, you know, if you look at the drivers, and I'm not, you know, Bubba Wallace is a good driver. Don't get me wrong. But Eric Jones is a good driver, too. I mean, we saw what he what this kid can do in good equipment. We have mm-hmm. not seen what what Bubba Wallace can do in good equipment. But if you look at the two drivers and what they accomplished before they came to NASCAR, okay, you've got to say that Eric Jones is as good of a driver as Bubba Wallace, right? I, I think yep. we'd all agree with that. Yep. So what if he runs better in that 43 now? Is that not an indictment of Bubba Wallace's ability at the cup level? Again, not taken away from his ability as a driver because he's a good driver you, you don't get to the cup level uh unless you got some skill he, i mean if you want to talk oh it's all about money it's all about sponsorship it's all about who you know whatever yeah john west townley couldn't stick around in nascar and he had unlimited amounts of money uh at his disposal all they had to do is keep raising the chicken dinner price another couple of bucks so they could afford all his crashes you've got to be talented to make it to the cup level even if you got the money, uh, another case in point is is watching what you know what's going on with uh, with some other drivers that have had the money. They get up there, they get decent equipment, they quickly get demoted out of decent equipment if uh, if they can't cut it. It doesn't matter how much money because there's another guy around the corner that'll bring the money or the sponsors uh, and get a shot. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what he can do in that car, but. Um, you know, any decision on it is is not Richard Petty's to make. Let's take a quick break here. We're talking with Dennis Michelson from DMAC Media and Polish pipe bomb Jeff Orlowski. When we come back, looks like NASCAR, the Cup Series, may be getting an infusion of young ownership blood, which is sorely needed. Coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway, along with David Hobbs Honda. You can check out davidhobbs.com for all latest and new and used, certified of used Honda vehicles. Uh, Dennis Michelson, um, this is one of these things when you see the news, you go, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, once again, Adam Stern is reporting that it looks like uh, Colleague Racing is going to be moving the, the cup in uh, Cup Series in 2022, and on the face of it, it kind of makes sense because here you got Colleague Racing, very successful in the Xfinity Series, running at, at times up to three cars, um, and with the Gen, Gen 7 car being postponed until 2022, 
we're kind of seeing, uh, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what teams drop off and what teams come in in 2022. It'll be interesting to see if we're going to end up with more cars about the same. Time will tell, but uh, what says you, Dennis? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how that goes. They have been able to show, though, that you can have a successful operation and go against the big boys. And in that series, the big boys are obviously uh, Dale Jr.'s team and also Joe Gibbs Racing and and Penske, of course. So those three big cup-related teams have been able to be beaten by college racing. So they are ready to go up to that, that next level because years ago, I mean, you turn back the clock to when the independents were regularly winning the Bush Series against teams that were affiliated with cup teams back then or at least cup drivers, and the cost to run a Bush team versus a cup team percentage-wise was only about 40 or 50% of what it cost to run. And you go out and you could be successful. Now, the difference between running a, an Xfinity team versus a cup team when it comes to all the expenses other than tires is about 80% the cost of that vehicle. So you, you, why race at that level for such a little difference more? You can be racing a cup and you can make much more money potentially. Now you're going to get your butt handed to you. Your sponsors are probably not going to get pictures as regularly of them in victory lane, but the bottom line of their exposure and that return on investment for those sponsors is going to be better. So I I think it's a very, very smart move. I'm not so sure that in 2022 we're going to see a big influx of new teams. I think NASCAR is lucky to get the new Michael Jordan, Denny Amlin team, and the announcement with Colic going up, those are were not things that they expected to see coming. Now, if all of a sudden a new manufacturer decides to throw money at NASCAR, then everything changes again because there will be more money to go around for the teams than there is now. But Right now, I don't really see that happening, despite all the rumors we always hear about other brands possibly coming to the sport. So I would expect to see just, you know, maybe just status quo, holding even, lose some of the low, low-hanging low fruit and see a new team like Colic uh, step in. Well, I think it's a, it's a good change for NASCAR because most of the owners, whether it's Rick Hendrick or Joe Gibbs and they're all getting old and uh, you definitely needed some new blood uh, to bring some new energy and some new money into the sport. And you have to think that uh, between the uh, track house racing that Justin Marks just started, the Jordan Hamlin thing, college moving up, it, uh, it definitely is a good sign. And I do think that once they start running the new car, it might take a year or two for more more people to sit there and just see how it all pay, uh, pay, you know plays out, how much the actual costs and everything are going to be. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see an influx of new owners into NASCAR. Jeff, what, that's only going to work if that new generation car 
can actually be crashed and rebuilt. Right now, it's so expensive to rebuild these new-gen cars that it's if they get into a crash, they're expendable. Build another one or just replace it with another car in the fleet and try to make do because it's just too expensive to fix. If they get to the point where all the safety equipment, the main part of the vehicle, the main main part of that race car, much like the tub on an Indy car, is reusable after the worst of crashes, then there's a chance to see them save a lot of money. If they're if they're still in that same old mindset that they got to build a new one from scratch because you can't make tolerances after a crash, then it's not going to save these guys money in the long run. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I think you're dead on with that. And then I think that uh, also the you know with how screwed up this year has been, no practice, no qualifying, one day shows. You know, you you have a cup team, you don't even bring a backup car to the track. And, uh, you know, you cut down, uh, the teams are in and out, so there's no hotel, there's no food to feed everybody and all that kind of stuff. I think that's going to help the teams trim down uh, their budgets too. And I, I would be completely surprised if next year, say the corona thing just goes away and next year is, is the way that everything used to be, I would be shocked if NASCAR went back to practice and qualifying on every track. There will be more two-day shows. There will be almost no three-day shows. And there will be quite a few one-day shows, I think. I, I, I totally agree with that because uh, with the travel and everything, they're going to be trying to save time. I think the sponsorship pinch is only going to get worse over the next year or two, uh, especially when, when, when you know a lot of these companies and corporations find out, you know what, uh, sponsoring, you know, we pulled the sponsorship or it's not really helping as much as we thought it was. We kind of went through this with 2008, a lot of, a lot of companies who spent a lot of money, not only in, in motorsports, but sports in general sponsorship decided, you know what, do we really need to do this? You know, and, and looking at different ways to promote their products. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see, uh, to see what happens over the next few years. And Dennis, uh, I'll give a tease for next week because we never even got around to it. Uh, I do want to talk about the NASCAR's charter system. So we will talk about that next week. Uh, apologize. Uh, I know uh, Dennis did a little research on that for the show this week and we'll definitely get to it next week. Uh, some interesting stuff that's happening and questions about the charters and, and how that actually works behind the scenes. So uh, it'll be interesting to talk with Dennis next week about that. And uh, we certainly appreciate you taking time out and being on the show, Dennis. Well, appreciate it, guys. And remember, this is fantasy football season. Go over to fakepigskin.com with all the craziness of games being canceled. You need more help than ever before. Who's your pick to win at Kansas, Dennis? Kansas, I'm taking Harvick. Okay. Happy Harvick. I like it. Good pick. All right, as Jeff Wright sat down, we'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk some IndyCar racing coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.